Well, I take an artist or a band and listen to their work. Then I put them on a list like a music critic jerk. Then I put them all in order from the best to the worst. But you probably won't like my choice for first. I don't care. You might think this idea is dumb. You're wrong. It's actually random. Hello, and welcome to another edition of Random Album Rankings. My name is BC. Thank you so much for joining me. And be sure to follow this podcast on Instagram at random.album. Well, you probably know just from the description of today's episode, we're going back to the uh, anti-authority punk rock genre again. And I can assure you this was just merely a coincidence (laughs) since I talked about The Clash a couple weeks ago. And it probably won't be the last time I do anything anti-authority as far as artists and bands are concerned. So if you want to know what next week's episode is and future episodes after that, be sure you follow this podcast on Instagram so that you have an idea and you can keep up to speed. And later on the show, I'll tell you what else you can do to help support this podcast aside from just listening each week. But uh, this week, I'm going to uh, go with a cur- another current artist out there. And it was a band that both my wife and I included on our Grand Dozen episode back in December when we presented our best albums of the year list. So you already know how, uh, how successful that latest album from Rise Against is. But, you're, but this week, I will let you know how high I have the new album. You might be surprised, you might be disappointed, but either way, you never know until you listen to the podcast. So this week, uh, just to tide you over until we get to the 50th episode where I tackle Joni Mitchell, I I still can't believe I've done 50 episodes of random album rankings in the last three years. And when you add the bonus episodes, it comes out to about maybe 70 of those. So clearly... I've been busy, and just from listening, just from recording this and you listening to me, you know I'm having a lot of fun. I assure you, I'm having a lot of fun doing this podcast. And this week is going to be no exception. This week's episode tackles Tim McElrath and Rise Against. And I know there's going to be this generation gap of those whose idea of anti-authority punk rock acts are going to be Black Flag, Minor Threat, Rage Against the Machine, The Offspring, Anti-Flag is another one. So I I get it. Wherever you rank this band on your list, that's up to you, but that's not what this episode is about. The discography of Rise Against is the spotlight in this week's episode. But before I can even give you my ranking of Rise Against albums, nine of which there are all together. It's time for a brief history and some facts about Rise Against. So here we go. Rise Against is an American punk rock band from Chicago that formed in 1999. The group's current lineup consists of vocalist and rhythm guitarist Tim McElrath, lead guitarist Zach Blair, bassist Joe Principe, and drummer Brandon Barnes. 
rooted in both hardcore punk and melodic hardcore, Rise Against Music emphasizes melody, catchy hooks, an aggressive sound and play style, and rapid tempos. Lyrically, the band is known for their outspoken social commentary, covering a wide range of topics such as political injustice, animal rights, humanitarianism, and environmentalism. The band spent its first four years signed to the independent record label Fat Rack Chords, on which they released two studio albums, The Unraveling in 2001 and Revolutions Per Minute in 2003. Both the albums were met with underground success, and in 2003, the band signed with major label DreamWorks, which would then be absorbed by Geffen. Rise Against major label debut Siren Song of the Counterculture brought the band mainstream success largely in part to the popularity of the singles Give It All and Swing Life Away. The band's next album, The Sufferer and the Witness, peaked at number 10 on the Billboard 200 in the United States and was Rise Against's first album to chart in countries outside of North America. With the release of Appeal to Reason in 2008, Rise Against music shifted towards a more accessible and radio-friendly sound with greater emphasis on production value. The album's third single, Savior, broke the record for the most consecutive weeks spent on both the hot rock songs and alternative songs charts. Their popularity grew with the release of 2011's Endgame, which peaked at number two on the Billboard 200 and charted highly worldwide. The band's seventh and eighth albums, Black Market and Wolves, continued the trend of commercial success and both peaking with the, in the top 10 on the Billboard 200 albums charts. Rise Against is also known for their advocacy of progressivism, supporting organizations such as Amnesty International and the It Gets Better Project. The band actively promotes animal rights, and most of the members are either straight-edge, PETA supporters, and vegetarians. Guitarist Mickelrath and Blair focus on speed riffing and multi-layered choruses, while bassist Principe uses aggressive picking to lock in with the snare and kick of the drums. Likewise, drummer Barnes follows the guitar, stating, quote, Sometimes I'll do it naturally, or we'll talk about different ways to accent things, fill some of the snare or toms or some big crashes. The band members have noted the influence of several punk bands, in particular Black Flag and Minor Threat. Mickelrath, com Mickelrath excuse me, commented, quote, We're emulating Minor Threat and Black Flag. Who knows, maybe if Ian McKay was wearing eyeliner, then I would be. Other bands that have influenced Rise Against include Seven Seconds, AFI, Bad Brains, Bad Religion, Cave-In, Dead Kennedys, Fugazi, Jawbreaker, Los Crudos, Nirvana, Pennywise, Rage Against the Machine, Ramones, Refused, and Social Distortion. And now that you know a little bit about Rise Against, let's get to ranking. And the rules will apply on this list. No greatest hits, no box sets, no live albums, no EPs, nothing along those lines. I hesitated whether or not to include the B-Sides and Rarities album called Long Forgotten Songs. Uh, I do give that a high recommendation, but for the sake of official discography, I'm only counting the nine studio albums that Rise Against has released. But I got to give the B-Sides and Rarities album a recommendation. If you haven't heard it yet, please do so. Uh, again, the name of that album is called Long Forgotten Songs, B-Sides and Rarities, 1999 through 2013, because this had come out before the black market. So just a so you know kind of album, as well as a recommendation. But coming in at the bottom of my list, in my opinion, my least favorite Rise Against album 
from 2004, the third album of their career, Siren Song of the Counterculture. It debuted at number 136 on the Billboard 200 albums charts and also peaked at that spot as well. And this was the mainstream breakthrough for the band. Now, look, before you all come at me thinking I'm some sort of hipster asshole who doesn't like the fact that an underground band achieves mainstream status, it really depends. I mean, if it sounds great, hey, awesome. If it doesn't sound all that great, I'm not going to like it. I'm not going to lie about it. I'm not going to say, oh, yeah, best album ever. No, this really is my least favorite album of theirs. And as far as mainstream goes, look, even bands who write and perform songs about anti-authority, anti-establishment, they got to fucking eat, too. I, I get that. So let's just get that out of the way. I'm not anti-mainstream. It just has to sound good. And this one has its moments, but Siren Song of the Counterculture didn't really do much for me. And there are a lot of issues on this album, besides the overproduction, not to mention DreamWorks Records merging into Geffen later on uh, by, the t by year's end. And then you have, as I mentioned, the diehard fans calling them sellouts. Oh, and somewhere in there, um, Tim McElrath became a dad. So congrats to him, but I know there was a lot of pressure at the time for this band. It, the album did sell poorly at first, but it has since been certified gold due to a ton of touring for this album. And this was produced by Garth Richardson, better known as G -G -G Garth, three G's at the beginning. And he has done a lot of production for many rock albums over the years. So talking about him is just basically, you know, just this just kind of like breathing, you know? So all you need to know about uh, Garth is he's produced awesome rock albums in the last 20 years. Like I said, least favorite album, but it has its moments for sure. Uh, Swing Life Away and Give It All, obviously. Uh, I think the most underrated track on here is blood to bleed and i'd like to play a little clip of that for you right now if i may i also like first drop life less frightening anywhere but here but at the end of the day but when I, when I want to hear Rise Against, I don't go to this album. It's just not a favorite of mine. And the less I talk about that album, the better I feel. I mean, it's, again, not a terrible album. It has its moments, but it's not uh, a go-to. And speaking of albums of theirs that are not a go-to, I know that some people are going to be angry with me with how low I have this album, but I also know some people listening to this episode will pretty much agree and my pick for number eight is the fifth album from the band coming from 2008 appeal to reason at the time it was their highest charting album at number three certified platinum it is one of their best-selling albums 
And it is historical to note that this would be the first time Zach Blair would be an official member of Rise Against, and he would be lead guitar on here going forward. This is also the first album on DGC Interscope Records. And very softer tones for a very soft tones for a darker feel, I should say. The why do I have this so low? Well, two reasons. One, the biggest flaw of this album is that while I get a band wanting to get played on radio, I understand the problem I have with this album is that it's too radio friendly. I think a little bit of the edge from Rise Against from prior albums was gone by this point. And the other issue, and this is a personal reason why I don't like this album. The best song on the album, Hero of War, despite being a fan favorite and one of my all-time favorite songs, or there's probably my, my favorite Rise Against song. Okay, second favorite, if I'm being honest. Second favorite Rise Against song. But Hero of War, despite critical acclaim, being a fan favorite and everything, how was this not released to radio? This would have been a big hit for sure. A hero of war, yeah, that's what I'll be. And when I come home, they'll be damn proud of me. I'll carry this flag to the grave if I must. Cause it's a flag that I love and a flag that I trust. That's my big issue with Appeal to Reason, is that Hero of War should have gotten a little more love from radio. I mean, maybe it was a band decision, maybe it was a record label decision, I don't know, but Hero of War, I think, had that been played on radio, that would have been the biggest hit of their career. Just a personal opinion, but I do got to give props to Savior, which did achieve a then all-time record 63 weeks Overall, on the Billboard Rock Charts, that record has since been broken by uh, AWOL Nation and their song Sale with 96 weeks on the Rock Songs charts. But still, at the time, Savior, its I think it's the third longest running song on that chart overall. So that's definitely an accomplishment right there, then and there. And at the same time, coming off of The Suffer and The Witness... Appeal to Reason just kind of sort of suffers for being a beta version of the last album. I mean, the radio singles were good. Re-Education Through Labor, Audience of One. Uh, I did like Elective Amnesia, Long Forgotten Sons. But overall, Appeal to Reason just suffers because I think I mean, if Siren Song and the Counterculture sounded a bit overproduced, the issue with Appeal to Reason is that it was just... Play me radio, play me radio, please play me. And that's pretty much why the album is as low as I have it. Now, speaking of uh, To Hell With Radio Airplay, coming in at number seven, I have their debut album from 2001, The Unraveling. Now, the reason I have it so low, well, it's really not a bad album. In fact, I fucking enjoy this album, honestly. Uh... I don't know, mainly because they did put out better material, better albums over the course of their career. And I will be talking about those, obviously, 
uh, during this episode. Uh, this would be the only album to feature Dan Wilikinski on guitar because he would he would go on to leave after this album. And this would also be the most hardcore punk that the band has ever sounded. And the example of that is uh, songs as short as 63 seconds, especially in the case of Three Day Weekend. But uh, yeah, otherwise, if you if your first taste of Rise Against was from 2004 and onward, listening to a track from The Unraveling is definitely a shock to the system for most of you. Now something has got me songs on here though i mean i gotta give credit where credit is due the unraveling is a damned awesome punk album my life inside your heart great awakening 401 kill the title track stained glass and marble a thousand good good intentions the and the thing that really stands out about the unraveling aside from the difference in music styles here Unlike later Rise Against albums, this album's lyrics deal more with personal issues and relationships and less on the political side. So if you like your punk rock with a little less politics, then The Unraveling is definitely the album for you. It is, It honestly is worth a listen. So if you haven't heard it, I got to give The Unraveling a recommendation. Coming in at the number six spot is an album that in recent years, this album has been the least favorite among many of Rise Against fans. And I get it, but, and I also understand that it basically sounded like the last couple of albums that they had put out uh, prior to this one. But I have it at number six, and this is album number seven of theirs for, for the band. From 2014, I went with The Black Market, which debuted and peaked at number three on the Billboard 200. So another top 10 album for the band, and clearly they were doing something right despite that. Now, even though it sounded like carbon copies of the last two albums prior to this, I felt that this album deserved... Uh, it really didn't deserve a lot of hate. In fact, the black market was better than it had any right to be, personally. I don't want to be here anymore. I don't want to be here anymore. I don't want to be Aside from I Don't Want to Be Here Anymore, which you just which I just played, the title track, Eco-Terrorist in Me, Methadone, People Live Here. I mean, it was basically the same situation. Hey, shit's going on. Take a look outside. Do something. Get off your ass. That sort of mentality. I don't know. I mean, if it wasn't for the fact that I saw them in concert during uh, 
when they were touring for this album, maybe I would have Black Market a little bit lower on my list. But I got to say, I have this higher because I have a personal connection with this one. Uh, much like the um, that I have at number five, which I'll talk about in a bit. But my wife and I, at the time, she was uh, my partner, and we get engaged the year a year later and whatnot. But uh, at the time, my partner, my partner at the time, JC, and I saw them at the Caboose in Minneapolis. I believe it was 2015. I'm sure she's going to correct me if I'm wrong on this one. But we saw them with Killswitch Engage, who honestly is one of the most underrated metal bands of all time. And sounds every bit as awesome live as you'd expect. And the other opener was a band called Let Live, which called it quits by the end of 2015. But uh, yeah, we saw them at this place called The Caboose, which was an outdoor uh, bar. The, the bar was indoors, but concerts would be outside. Most concerts would be outside in this case. And Rise Against really delivers in concert. They are one of the most energetic bands I've ever seen. Uh, in concert in a very long time, and I really got a kick out of them, and I happened to be wearing the most anarchistic shirt that I had in my collection at the time. It was a uh, CM Punk shirt. CM Punk, who you may not know, is basically the pro wrestling version of Rise Against. He's straight edge, he's vegetarian, doesn't drink, doesn't do drugs. Props to him, but I was wearing a CM Punk shirt to the show, and I maybe it was the heat bearing down on my brain at the time, but I didn't even, I completely spaced out that their opener kill switch engage did a, a theme song for CM Punk when he was in WWE, this fire burns, which is still fucking amazing. I do miss that song being played live, but that, that was a great concert. And that was probably one of my favorite shows that year. And one of the concert goers acknowledged my CM Punk shirt as well so we were talking about that and kill switch engage and all them and as we were leaving the show uh jc just looks at me and goes fuck i can't take you anywhere can i yeah the that's what you get for uh dating and then later marrying a wrestling fan honey i love you <clears throat> oh, i'm never going to hear the end of that one after this episode but in the long and short of it rise against kicks ass live and my first time seeing the band in concert was when they were promoting the black market and as much as this album was a disappointment, I assured you, I assured you because I was there during this uh, concert, the songs off of the black market sounded way better live than they did on CD. And if you've seen them in concert during the promotion of this album, I would think you would agree with that. But then again, everything sounds better in a live setting, right? Right. So... That's my story as far as the black market is concerned. And coming in at number five is an album that I also have a personal connection with um, now more than ever. Uh, this came out in 2011. It was the sixth album of their career and their all-time highest charting album of their career with a number two peak on the Billboard 200 charts. I went with Endgame. And personally, I think Endgame should have followed up sufferer appeal the reason was just an absolute disappointment compared to endgame i i love this album it, this is an album more so near and dear to my heart than i ever expected it to be uh, there's a crisper sound here and there's the addition of heavy metal sounds as well 
from Zach Blair, which really gives this album an, a more of an edge than Appeal the Reason ever did. Uh, themes on this album included the end of humanity and disaster relief blenders with Hurricane Katrina, uh, specifically on the first single off of it. And fun fact, this was the only Rise Against song to make the Billboard Hot 100 songs charts with a number 89 peak. Help is on the way. It's It definitely uh, sticks with you, especially if you've ever seen the video for it. Go ahead and try. The Crescent City sleeps while giants in the sky preparing to lot of good a lot of great songs on here i should say architects is underrated uh disparity by design satellite broken mirrors wait for me this is letting go uh the other song i think for those of you for those who've known me the longest and pretty much know i'm gonna play this song be, there's no reason or explanation why i'm gonna play a clip of this song you just know make it stop september's children is another song that resonated with me for a very, very long time, especially last year when I came out. Make it stop, let this end. 18 years pushed to the ledge. It's come to this, a white list up. Forty-year-old bisexual male. Uh, this song, I I didn't realize how hard this song would hit me until m later on as I got older. But boy, I needed a song like this when I was going through high school, junior high even. But the bullying, the anti-LGBTQ, the bullying for all that, and this just really, this really resonated with me and. With Tim McElrath and company doing the supporting the It Gets Better project, nobody should be bullied for who they are or who they choose to love, and nobody should commit suicide because of who they are. And Make It Stop is just a very powerful song and one of my favorite Rise Against songs. If I ever do a top 10 Rise Against songs list, Expect Make It Stop to make my top five, if not top three, for sure. And I really appreciated this song more than I expected to. And I thank Rise Against for getting the message out there. It does get better. And do get help if you feel like you're suffering. Because you don't deserve to suffer for who you are. You don't deserve to suffer for who you love or who you choose to love. It's... Just be your just being yourself should not be a crime, and for that, I thank Rise Against for that as well. Endgame overall is just a solid effort, and if you have not heard it, I'm giving you a recommendation for it as well. So that's my that is my story, especially with dealing with being picked on. I mean, the bullying people thought it was gay because of my music choices and what not, but jokes on them. I'm by and I I am more partial to my wife and show producer JC. So there you go. But at the end of the day, 
nobody should be picked on for being themselves at the end of the day. And that's why I have Endgame so high on the list at number five. And we're going to keep moving on. Uh, the word sophomore slump is nowhere to be found on my pick for number four. I went with the second album of their career from 2003, Revolutions Per Minute. I don't understand where you got this idea so Rise Against really got out there a lot more than expected thanks to them being on the Warp Tour back in 2003. Uh, this was recorded in Colorado with uh, Bill Stevenson of The Descendants and Jason Livermore, uh, both awesome producers. Bill Stevenson, of course, is a punk rock legend. And I got to recommend the 10th anniversary demo, uh, the 10th anniversary edition of this album, too, because of all the demo tracks on here and the journey cover yeah you know i'm gonna play it of course i'm gonna play their cover of any way you want it all night all night oh every night so hold tight hold tight oh baby hold tight she said any way you want it that's the way it is So many damn good songs on RPM. Dead Ringer, Halfway There, Blood Red, White, and Blue, Last Chance Blueprint to the Core, Torches. I mean, come on, this album practically plays itself here. It's a damn solid Rise Against album. And just 38 minutes of pure adrenaline, 75 if you get the uh, 10th, if you listen to the 10th anniversary edition with the demo tracks. And, of course, the hidden track with the Journey cover, which has long since been put on the Long Forgotten Songs B-Sides album, which I gave my recommendation to earlier on in the podcast. So, my God, I've gone through six Rise Against albums. There's only three left to talk about. Which one's going to make it to number one on my list? Well, before I announce that, I got to take some time to pay some bills. But then when I return... I'll have my top three Rise Against albums. Hang tight. Welcome back. As I said, three albums left to talk about in the discography of Rise Against. And my pick for number three from 2017, album number eight for this band, I went with Wolves for the bronze medal. Now, this album... The original title was supposed to be called Morning in America. That's a, spelled A-M-E-R-I-K-A. That is until the 2016 election happened. And after that, Tim McElrath's exact words for this were, Fuck that. Fuck grieving. figured it out yes it's an anti-trump album just like 2004 to 2008 was all anti-george w bush 
Wolves was an anti-Trump album. So 43rd and 45th presidents of the United States were pretty much uh, the targets for the last decade of this, this band. Honestly, as regardless of your opinion, I'm certainly not going to get on a soapbox and talk political, but I gotta at least say that the energy on this album is there, and there's been a fire in these lyrics that haven't been heard in a very, very long time. I There's really a lot to say about this one, and uh, maybe I'm biased because I have... I have this album so high that so I'm biased because this album was recorded and produced right here in Nashville. And it was produced by a man named Nick Raskalenix, who has produced many albums for several great rock bands over the over the years. Stone Sour, specifically Come Whatever May, Foo Fighters, uh, One by One, even though it's my least favorite album of theirs, but he was the producer for that one. A lot of albums from Deftones, uh, specifically Corno Yokan and Diamond Eyes, which are amazing albums in their own right. Yeah, yeah, shit, maybe I am biased, and that's why I have this album so high. great songs on here house on fire obviously welcome to the breakdown bullshit parts per million how many walls it this was clearly an album that needed to be made and this was an album that rise against needed to put out because at by this time despite the fact that i have black market high on the list the formula was getting stale and it was just basically the same thing over and over again and honestly, there's a lot more polish on Wolves, but the energy, I guarantee you, and the number of times I've listened to this album, the energy on Wolves is real. The production may be, the, pol the polish is definitely there, but the energy is far from polish. It is legit angry energy, and this was the album that was needed but the album I have at number two would follow up Wolves. And the album I have here was number seven on my Rand Dozen and number 11 on my wife's list. And this is their most recent, their ninth studio album. This was the album we as Americans needed. My pick for number two, Nowhere Generation. is an example of classic Rise Against. The vocals here are, are extremely raw. The lyrics are empowering and aggressive. The energy is undying. 
And the fact that this band is also in their 40s and they're putting out some of their best work right now is damned impressive. They're, I mean, I could probably spend the whole episode talking about how awesome Knower Generation is, but then you wouldn't know what my pick for number one was. But so many good songs on here. The Numbers, Sudden Urge, the title track, which was a top 10 hit on the rock charts, Broken Dreams Incorporated. Uh, Monarch is another favorite of mine on here. dream rules of play i could go on and on about this fucking album it's just impressive uh, a lot of themes on here death of the american dream naturally social instability political upheavals this is an album that needed to be made a long time ago i mean again i've, I've said appeal the reason is one of my least favorite albums of theirs and this this needed to come out a little more than wolves did wolves we kind of needed after the 2016 election, but nowhere generation made absolute sense to me. And it's just a phenomenal album. This is the, when this band is putting out their best work 20 years late into their career, that's something to be proud of. Rise Against should be proud of this album. It is a fantastic Rise Against album. It's a great Rise Against album. But it's not the best Rise Against album. It's near perfect, but it's not a perfect Rise Against album. And with that said, there is only one album left to talk about. Well, before I announce my number one Rise Against album, I came across an article recently in an issue of Spin Magazine. And when I say issue, yeah, I don't buy the magazine anymore. I get most of my news online, music or otherwise. But uh, Tim McElrath was featured in a subject called Five Albums I Can't Live Without. Uh, this is actually one of my favorite sections of Spin Magazine as in the last few months. Uh, you get to know more about what makes an artist tick and what makes their music so powerful and released to the masses. And I was a little surprised with some of the selections that uh, Tim suggested. And even though it's just five albums, uh, let's let me give you a couple here. Let's. Well, I'll give you the five albums. Uh, let's see. Strong Reaction by a band called Peg Boy. Uh, I'll be honest. That's one that, that I was not aware of. Maybe I will have to give that a listen. But that's interesting. But uh, Fugazi's 13 songs, that's pretty much a must for any punk rock band. You got to listen to Fugazi, especially the 13 songs album. Now, I'll be honest. I didn't really think that highly of it when I first heard it. Maybe I'll listen to it again and have a different opinion on it. But Fugazi doesn't really surprise me that Mickelrath uh, is uh, in love with this album. I mean, that's pretty much a given if you're in a punk rock band. you got to listen to Fugazi. Uh, yeah, uh, 13 Songs is definitely the magnum opus for that band. 
but maybe I'll listen to it again and have a different opinion of it. Ride the Lightning by Metallica. You know, that is definitely my top three favorite Metallica albums, and it's definitely an underrated one personally. So I think it's pretty cool that he included that on his list. But it's these last two that got my attention. Harvest by Neil Young. That's, well... I guess as far as when he does acoustic tunes, I get it. But Harvest is a damned awesome album. I can't really lose sleep over that one. Neil Young's an icon, regardless of how you feel about him with the whole Spotify Joe Rogan controversy. Neil Young is an icon, and Harvest is a damn good album. And this other one, the last one here, The Joshua Tree by U2. Yeah, I mean, you can't call yourself a U2 fan if you don't talk about, if you, or if you don't have the Joshua Tree in your collection. And it's a great album from start to finish. So he definitely has excellent taste in music. And if these are the five albums he can't live without, I can definitely see it as far as uh, their music is concerned. So I got to give props to Tim McElrath there as well. And uh, who knows, maybe I'll even do a, Desert Island albums list. I guess technically that's the same as favorite albums list, but yeah. So that's a little bit about what makes Tim McElrath tick. And with that said, So despite the fact that uh, I I had heard the name long before this album had come out, I didn't really go out of my way to listen to this band until the album had come out. My pick for number one is album number four of their career from July 4th, 2006. My pick for number one Rise Against album, The Sufferer. And the witness. This would debut and peak at number 10 on the Billboard 200 albums charts. This would be their first of many top 10 albums on that particular chart. And at 2 million copies sold, this is the best selling album of their career. In fact, this album pretty much cemented their career, and in my opinion, is a perfect. Rise Against album. Hold on, slow down again from the top now and tell me everything. I know I've been gone for what seems like forever, but I'm here now waiting. This would also be produced by Bill Stevenson of The Descendants, and boy, does he good, do a really good job with production here, and the band as a whole. This is the probably one of the best uh, punk albums of that decade, in my humble opinion. Uh, now, like I said, I didn't really get into this band until late 2006, early 2007. Uh, I remember I got my first apartment in Minneapolis back in 2006. I moved in April 1st, 2006. Yeah, I know the joke speaks for itself. Shut up. But I was living alone at the time. And the kind of music I was listening to, I was 
leaning towards classic country and alternative music. I was listening to Killers. I was listening to Coldplay. I was listening to Radiohead. And uh, at the time, Minneapolis had a great alternative rock station or alternative radio station. You call it alternative rock, alternative music, doesn't matter. And that wound up biting the dust a year later. But at least I also had the, uh, the Current, which is an alternative music station for Minnesota Public Radio. So I was listening to those two stations mostly, occasionally switching to 93X, which is their hard rock station up there. Uh, but July 4th, 2006 came. And while I was struggling to make ends meet, had a menial job, trying to keep afloat, trying to pay off credit card bills, electric bill, rent, just like every every other 20-year-old getting their first place. Uh, I still bought CDs at around that time, and the two that got my attention on July 4th were, I'm going to be brutally honest, The Eraser by Tom York and American Five, 100 Highways by Johnny Cash. So those are the only two albums that got my attention that week. So Rise Against didn't even go on go into my radar around that time until I turned on 93X one day and heard my first Rise Against song. I'd heard of the band, but never went on my way to hear them until I moved down to the Twin Cities. But when you're in your early 20s, maybe it's just me, but there are three things that will forever stick in my mind in my early 20s. I remember my first time. I remember my first apartment, and thanks to 93X, I remember my first Rise Against song. Don't hold me Every time I hear Prayer of the Refugee, yeah, I, one of the things that will is forever embedded in my head as far as that song is concerned was uh, I was addicted to, addicted to Guitar Hero, and the thing about Walmart's being open for 24 hours is that you, if you don't feel like going home, you can always just go there and just hang out, just look around, buy a candy bar if you're hungry, or if they had a PS2 or... A, I think it was PS2 that was still out. No, it was PS. It was PS3. I could be wrong. I I know we were on that cusp at some point. But nevertheless, the video game system that they had hooked up to one of the TVs had a brand new creation called Guitar Hero, which your controller was not a video game controller, but an actual guitar with a couple of buttons and a little whammy pad and a little pedal. So it seemed like you're playing rock star and one of my proudest achievements at the time this is how fucking sad i was in my early 20s but being able to master playing prayer of the refugee 100 perfect accuracy on hard level it it may not matter much on a business resume but on a personal resume that was awesome to me <laughs> it still is and i'm i'm gonna be 41 this summer. So there you go. 
so many great songs on here. In fact, the whole damned album is awesome from start to finish. Injection, not not just the singles that were released off of it. Injection was good. Uh, Bricks, Under the Knife, Drones, Worth Dying For, Behind Closed Doors, The Good Left Undone, which I think is an underrated track on the album. If I had to pick a least favorite on here, probably Drones is my least favorite song on here, but it's still good. Let's get that out of the way, folks. Um, and the, the hell of it is, I talked about how I saw Rise Against Live for the first time back in 2015. But going back in the history, as far as concerts I have attended, I did go to Warp Tour for the first time in 2006. And they were on the bill at the Warp Tour that I attended. But for the life of me, I can't remember if I saw them or not. I remember seeing Against Me. I remember seeing uh, No Effects, Under Oath. I remember seeing Anti-Flag and during that show getting kicked in the head multiple times by crowd surfers and almost losing an eye via flying water bottle. Not to mention sunburned as all hell, but I still had fun, but I can't remember whether or not I actually saw Rise Against. So I apologize. I can't say whether or not they were good that time because I don't remember. Probably because also around that time, I was just on another planet in my head. I still had a lot of shit going on at that time frame. I remember hanging out with a couple of people, and I was basically uh, the dog on a collar being pulled on a leash. Not literally, just a metaphoric leash. And they all happened to be friends of a woman that I was kind of sort of seeing at the time who I lost touch with after that event because we were supposed to go to warp together and for some reasons unexplained she backed out and i hadn't seen or heard from her since if she's listening to this i hope she's doing well that's all i'm gonna say so while i can't remember whether or not rise against was awesome live at that time i do remember when i first listened to suffer in the witness i thought this whole album was absolutely 100% fucking awesome. this about rise against it's great that this band still delivers awesome music 20 years after they started i mean damn at this point most people might have just kind of phoned it in but rise against didn't really phone it in the last couple of albums and they certainly didn't give that impression in 2006 when the suffer and the witness had come out i mean this band honestly is far from done I will defend Nowhere Generation forever. That new album is a banger. And if their next album sounds anything like Nowhere Generation, rest assured, I'm all in as far as the new Rise Against album is concerned. But no matter what Rise Against puts out, and it, even if it turns out they decide, hey, we're done, Nowhere Generation's our last album, thank you for the love and support over the last 20 some years regardless no matter what they put out next and going forward 
99.9% of the material that comes up from Rise Against going forward, they will never, ever top the perfection that is the sufferer and the witness. This is a perfect Rise Against album. It is awesome from start to finish. It's a perfect 10. It's 5 out of 5 stars. It's 10 out of 10. It's 100 out of 100, whatever. This was the album that got me into this band, and this is going to stay in my memory. This is, in my opinion, Rise Against best album of their career, and you can never change my mind as far as that's concerned. And just like that, another random album ranking is in the books. But before I go, let's take one final look from worst to best in the discography of Rise Against. Coming in at number nine, I have Siren Song of the Counterculture from 2004, followed by 2008's Appeal the Reason at number eight, their debut album The Unraveling from 2001 at number seven, The Black Market at number six, Endgame from 2011 at number five, Revolutions Per Minute at number four, Wolves at number three, the most recent Rise Against album, Nowhere Generation, coming in at the number two spot, and my pick for number one Rise Against album from 2006, The Sufferer and The Witness. And that's going to do it for this edition of Random Album Rankings. Thank you so much for joining me. Be sure to follow this podcast on Instagram at random.album just so you can keep up to date on future episodes, music news, and a little bit of everything in between that I feel like sharing with all of you. Be sure to rate this podcast and any other podcast you listen to on most streaming services, be it Google Cast, iTunes, or Spotify. Leave a one-star rating, five-star rating. Let us know how we're doing because we can only get better from here. And if you're feeling brave enough, go on anchor.fm slash random-album. You can leave a message for this podcast. No matter how positive or negative you want to come across, just know it's going to be played on a future episode. And if you feel like spending a little money, you can donate to this podcast as well. Click on the listener support page to learn more. It's not going to take too much money out of your wallet. You can donate as little as 99 cents a month, not even a buck. But if you don't feel like donating, the only thing I ask of you, the listener, is to tell your friends about this podcast so that they can tune in next week. And speaking of next week, Random Album Ranking celebrates its 50th episode, and I will be tackling a historic artist, not just in female musician history, not just in Canadian music history, but music history as a whole. Next week, the spotlight will be on the one and only Joni Mitchell. So I hope you tune in because she's got a ton of albums that deserve your attention, but it's where they're ranked on my list that you might find interesting. So be sure you tune in next week for the discography of Joni Mitchell. Until next week, I'm BC saying, the world is your oyster. Get out there and go shuck it. Bye, everybody. You may think this idea is dumb. Well, you're wrong. It's actually random.